Chapter 11 Lies and More Lies In the last chapter, you remember the tires were slashed all over town, Periwinkle finds or found information on Shyrock, and Dizzy met Rita. The paper mill, the question was, to sell it or not sell it. In this chapter, 11, Shard talks to Fridas, one tire Deborah, Rita the Cutter, Gunner in half and half story meets Gloria in the ice pick. So, lies and more lies. Wednesday evening at Skyler's. Shard walked up to the bar and wordlessly O'Reilly handed him a camel and a double shot of Highland Park with two ice cubes. Congratulations, Lieutenant, this is on the house. Congratulations for what? You finally solved a case. I did? You're being coy, Lieutenant. No, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You found the co-op's John Deere riding mower, and there wasn't a scratch on it. My brother-in-law manages the place, and he's thrilled. Those things are expensive. Oh, that. It was just our usual brilliant detective work. Tell your brother-in-law to remember the sheriff at election time. I will, Lieutenant. Thanks for the drink. You're right. I deserve it tonight. Shard had just settled under the moosehead when he heard Periwinkle order a double Rip Van Winkle. You waiting for someone, boss? Just you. Thanks. I heard you and Johnson found the lawnmower. Oh, it's more than that. It's humongous. Almost a tractor. How'd you find it? Well, you know that new guy you make fun of, Henry something? Polk. Yeah, that's it. Well, he saw some guy driving it up the street behind Patel's. We went down and picked the guy up. Who is he? I don't know. Some fellow named Toby Dell. You know him? There are a bunch of Dells in town. He has to be one of them. Big guy, I mean big. Muscles everywhere, including between his ears. He told us with a straight face that he borrowed the plow to plow his driveway and was returning it when we stopped him. He said it ran really good. Oh, I'm glad. How'd you make out with the Kaiser? Was he mad? About as irritated as I've seen him. Gloria was all over him this morning, complained that we harassed that cretin of hers and that she threatened to cut off her donation to the Kaiser's re-election campaign. He suggested that we ought to solve the murder and shootings before all his re-election funds dry up. Then I called Collins, and he replayed their conversation. I don't think you ought to tell us to Don, Shard said. I don't want to be quoted as a source on internal company matters. I don't know if they're going to sell, but they've moved towards it since I last talked to them. I won't say anything, boss. In fact, I haven't talked to him since the night after your checkers dinner, which was loads of fun, incidentally. Thanks. She took a large sip of her bourbon. Frankly, I'm not sure there's much of a future in our relationship. I'm sorry to hear that, Periwinkle. Why? A while back, Johnson asked me what I thought of Don. When I told him, he said something like, That sounds like the description of your favorite uncle. He's right. It did. It's been preying on my mind. I don't want to marry my favorite uncle. Don't get me wrong, boss. Don's a great guy, good-natured and bright. But he doesn't get my per-motor started. Understand? Absolutely, and I'm sorry to hear it. I thought you guys made a cute couple. Have you told him he's your favorite uncle? Not yet. I just hope he suspects that I care for him less that way than he does for me. You're going to have to say something, because it's cruel to string him along and let him down easy. Stay friends and all that. I speak from experience. Hope did the opposite to me when she ran off. 
I'm sorry, boss. Thanks, but I'm pretty well over it now. Good. Periwinkle decided not to mention Ellen's role in Asajj Shard's wounded pride. They exchanged glances in an awkward pause. Back to our murder case, Periwinkle. You remember Johnson's story about Fridus? Yeah, you mentioned it before. I can't get it out of my mind. Johnson's sagas are sometimes pertinent. Once in a while. Most of the time, though, he's about 180 degrees off. True, but I have this gnawing suspicion that he was right on that night. I think we're dealing with two, maybe three separate crimes here, and that women might, behind, might be behind all of them. What I can't fathom is why. If I knew that I could figure out which women are guilty, because I don't think all three are, I'd be better off. Rita and Gloria? They're in cahoots. It would have to be about selling the mill. Deborah and Gloria? Now, they would make strange bedfellows, no pun intended. And it would have to do with passion, maybe money, and Steve's infidelities. Rita and Deborah? I can't begin to guess what those two have in common, except for sex with Harold, or his father, or maybe with both of them. And here's the kicker. What if we're dealing with two sets of unrelated crimes, the murder on one hand, and the shootings and tire slashings on the other? That might mean we have two separate pairings of the women, like Frida's. What do you think? Periwinkle leaned back in her chair, gazed up at the moose's dewlap, and pushed the sleeves of her russet-colored sweater up. Shard noticed that she had beautiful forearms, sprinkled with light brown hairs. Wonderful girl hairs, he thought. I think you're way ahead of me here, boss. If I look at one crime at a time, I think Rita and Gloria are capable of murder. I don't see Deborah as the murderer, though, unless she's the woman Harold claims she is, cheating on Harkness with his son. Now that's cheap and mean and vicious. If she did that, she might do anything. And if Harold's truthful about the car shootings, she's dangerous. But can we trust that little dipshit? On the face of it, I believe Deborah, but Harold's version does explain some things. Does that answer your question, boss? Oh, it does. I have it all sorted out now. We'll talk to Deborah in the morning. You do? We will? My instincts tell me we're on the right track, and I need another drink. You want one? My treat. Sure, boss. And it's dinner time. You want to sample Mrs. O's special tonight? What is it, Wednesday? Veal cutlets and red cabbage. Does she serve red cabbage with everything? Not with her franks and beans. Why all the red cabbage? Because I like it. By the time we finished, we'll have solved our personal and professional problems. Besides, the Kaiser told me it's going down to 20 below tonight, and I'm nice and warm here under my moose. Thursday morning. Deborah again. I'm glad you're both on time this morning. Of course, it's 9 o'clock, so I wasn't, it wasn't too onerous. It's 27 below zero out there, boss. And with the wind chill, it feels like 50 below. Probably a mere cool spell for a Viking, Shard said, glancing at Johnson on the wastebasket. If we're lucky, it'll soon snow again and raise the temperature. What a choice, Periwinkle mumbled through an upturned collar of her pea jacket and from beneath her knit cap that nestled on her auburn glory. It's 60 degrees in here. If you take off your coat, hat, scarf, and gloves... You'll probably survive. Thanks anyway, she said. I just called Deborah, who'll be delighted to entertain us this morning. She promised you'll have tea and scones waiting. 
Periwinkle snickered from somewhere deep within her coat. I want you guys to scope her out. Is she telling us the truth? I want an alibi that we can check, okay? At her home, Deborah didn't put out tea and scones, but she did serve coffee and offer a silver platter piled with unglazed donuts. I'm sorry that someone slashed your tire, Shard said. There's something afoot around here, and I assure you we'll find out what it is. I hope so, Lieutenant. I'm scared. I'm not safe in my own house, and I don't have Steve to protect me. For what it's worth, Miss Newbill, I don't think anybody will hurt you or any of the others. They just want to scare you. You may call me Deborah. Everybody does. Okay, Deborah, let me ask you something. The other cars had all their tires slashed. Yours had only one. Why do you think that is? She gave him a quizzical look. I'm sure I don't know, Lieutenant. You'll have to ask the guy who did it. I think it's odd, that's all. He broke his routine for some reason. Maybe I got up to use the bathroom, turned on the light, and frightened him off. Did you get up that night? I don't remember. I try not to become wide awake. That's why I can get back to sleep more easily. Makes sense, Shard said. Where were you that night? Are you accusing me of running around shredding tires? Why would I do that? I haven't the foggiest, Miss Newbill. But I'd just like to know where you were so I can delete your name from my list of suspects. So I'm a suspect? A whole lot of people are, Miss Newbill. I was right here, all night. Anyone with you? If you're suggesting that I had a man here, you're miles off base, Lieutenant. I'm not suggesting anything. For all I know, your neighbors might have brought you cookies and milk at bedtime. No, I was alone. I am all the time now. Shard tried to imagine Harold spending the night in the house. He couldn't bring the picture into focus. Wait a minute, though. I just remembered. I ordered a blouse from Land's End about midnight. They must have a record of it. If they don't, the phone company will, Shard said. Also, I woke up early and called time and temperature about 5.30. If they keep records of who called, I'm in the clear, right? Assuming that the slasher was out there then, yes. Unless, of course, you call time and temperature on your cell phone while you cut tires, Johnson said. Deborah glared at him. Just kidding. Have you seen Harold since we talked to you, Shard asked. No, but if I do, he's going to get an earful. I don't know why he lied about me unless it was to save his own hide. Do you know a woman named Rita? Shard asked. No. How about Robin Herring? Again, no. Why do you ask? I'm just trying to connect the dots, that's all. How about a man from New York City named Adolf Shylock? Is Shyrock boss, Periwinkle said. Yeah, <clears throat> Adolf Shyrock. Never heard of him. One last thing, do you plan to stay in Leiden? I don't know. I can't afford to keep this place. The taxes are killers, and I'll need a new roof soon. So I'll probably have to sell it, even though I love it. That's all I have, Shard said. I'm sorry to bother you. Your coffee and donuts, however, were most welcome. It's bitter out there. I heard that on the weather this morning. You can't believe my heating bills. Thursday morning, Rita and Deborah. Calm down, Deborah. I don't know why your knickers are in a twist. Yours would be too if you heard the grilling I sat through this morning. You may think these local cops are stupid, but I'm telling you that lieutenant is bright. I've dealt with guys like him for years. They couldn't solve a case if they had its answer on a 3x5 card. They dislike uniforms and guns. 
He doesn't carry a gun, but he asked if I knew you. And you said? Of course not. But why do you think they think I know you? They must have found some connection. Don't be stupid, girl. They're stumbling around in the dark. I stand out because I'm a female, not white, from somewhere else, and I carry a gun. These hicks can't stand out-of-towners, so don't worry. Who is this guy Shylock they asked me about? We're working together on your behalf. Don't worry. You won't have to meet him. Keeping him for yourself, are you? What are you trying to say? Is he your squeeze, good in the sack, huh? You'll never know. Go knit or something. Thursday morning. Regrouping. Okay, guys, what'd you think of Deborah's alibi? I still like her, boss. I think she's a straight arrow. Oh, come on, Norseman. She was kept, living in sin and all that stuff, Periwinkle said. Okay, for a mistress, she's a straight arrow type. She loved the guy. I think she's basically a nice woman. I can't figure her, boss, Periwinkle said. She's too smooth. Always has the ready answer. Too pat, if you get my meaning. I'd like to believe she's as nice as Johnson says, Shard said. But there's something about her that gets under my fingernails. I can't quite get rid of the feeling that she's like a poison tapioca, smooth and deadly. Ooh, that's good, boss, Johnson said. I'm serious. Did you catch that smoothest dollop of pudding she fed us? Periwinkle and Johnson looked at each other in hopes that the other would venture the first guess. Okay, I'll tell you, Shard said. I thought her alibi was too pat, too contrived. Why, boss? Periwinkle asked. She tried too hard to do something to cover the hours we think the slasher was out. Who the hell orders a blouse at midnight? You ever order one at that hour, Periwinkle? I don't think so, but Land's End's order desk is open 24 hours a day. Some women must add to their wardrobes at strange hours. Point, Shard said. But maybe they stay open to sell people in different time zones. Ever think of that? Borneo tribesmen call in for pinpoint shirts in the middle of our night, Johnson asked. Wise guy. I bet Australians do, though. Does she look like the type who does midnight shopping? She doesn't to me. And then there's her other alibi, calling time with temperature at 5.30. She has clocks all over the place, and a thermometer outside her den window. All she had to do was look. But if she's in bed, boss, and it's cold, she might not have wanted to go downstairs to check the temperature. She called from under her warm covers. Makes sense to me, Periwinkle said. Maybe. But do you guys know the time and temperature number? I don't, Johnson said, but that doesn't mean she doesn't. I still think her alibi's flimsy, Shard said. I think she prepared it, and somehow it's tied to the fact that she only had one tire cut. What's that mean? My guess is that she's involved with the guy who did it, and he cut one of hers to take suspicion off her, but didn't want to cut them all, Periwinkle said. Bingo. But who's her confederate and why, Shard asked. Thursday morning. Everybody a suspect. On the way down to their office, Johnson said, Little Flower, something's been bothering me for days, and I finally remembered what it is. What? You may not like this, but remember New Year's Eve when we learned that Don knew Sherry from her college quiz bowl thing? Yeah. Well, Sherry later mentioned that she had a client who worked for General Paper, some guy who was high up in the management. I vaguely recollect her saying that, but what does that have to do with anything? 
The boss keeps trying to put pairs of women together to solve this thing. What if Don is General Paper's mole in North County? What if these two are somehow involved in the merger, and all the rest of the stuff that's going on around here may have something to do with the merger? What? Are you out of your mind? Don's an engineer, like an uncle to me, remember? He wouldn't do something like that. Besides, he and Sherry hadn't seen each other for some time. How could they be working together? Maybe they just said that to throw us off track. Perhaps, she said. I don't know anything about her, but I don't think he's the type. I almost mentioned that in the boss's office, but if I'm wrong, I'd hate to get Sherry mixed up in this. I'd like to see her again. She's quite the gal. Yeah, way above your usual types you hang around with. Ooh, I'm not that bad. Let me think about whether we ought to bring this up with the boss, Periwinkle said. Thursday, late morning, a witness. Shard sat with his feet on his desk and tried to decide if he wanted beans and franks for lunch. To help him think, he removed the battery plate on his clock radio and took out the camel just as Witchery walked in. Can I come in? You already are, and you don't look too happy about it. I'm on a client's business or I wouldn't darken your door. Who's the client? Can I sit down? Witchery asked as he eyed the only possibility for a seat. Be my guest. Mr. Charbonneau wants me to give you some information that might help you with your murder case. He's campaigning for exemplary citizen of the year? Which we ignored Shard's sarcasm. He wants you to know that the colored woman is still in town. I know that. Why is he so interested in her? He thinks she's up to no good. She's a licensed private investigator, Witchery, here on surveillance. But she won't tell me who she's watching. Does Charbonneau think it might be him? Does he want me to get her off his back? You've got it all wrong, Lieutenant. Why would she be interested in him? He runs a gas station. Yeah, we've already gone through that. Anyway, he has some other news for you. His personal assistants were on their way home from work at four the other morning and saw something interesting. Charbonneau keeps his station open all night now? To catch the odd motorist who needs a gallon of gas to get to a real station? Do you want to hear this or not? Go ahead. These guys saw her at the union guy's house, fiddling around with his car in the driveway. They stopped a ways up the street and waited to see what would happen. They weren't following her, were they? I told you they were on their way home. I won't ask you why they happened to be on Mr. Higgins Street. Good. Now if you'll shut up, I'll finish the story. They followed her to Old Town Estates and Albany Post Road, where the colored woman turned in. Mr. Charbonneau's assistants decided not to follow. They went home and told Mr. Charbonneau about it later. After the Sun-Times had the story about the cut tires, he put two and two together. His boys aren't sure she cut them. But it sure looks suspicious, don't you think? For once, Whitry, I agree with you. Was anybody with her? Mr. Charbonneau didn't say. It could be important. Would you ask him? Use my phone. Witchery made the call and told Chardon, Mr. Charbonneau said that they didn't mention anybody else, and he reminded me to tell you that his assistants will not testify in court to what they did see. They're very shy. <laughs> I'll bet, Chard said. But please tell your client that I appreciate his help, and if he picks up any more information, I'd appreciate a nod. I wouldn't count on it. I advised him to stay out of this, but he insisted I come by. That just shows what a fine, upstanding citizen he is. Go to hell, Shard.
On his way out, Wittry passed Periwinkle, who was carrying a white paper bag. Boy, it's freezing. I stopped by Patel's and picked up corned beef on pita and four donuts for Luke and Dizzy. They were right where we should be, snuggled up against the post office's radiator. They're also there in the middle of the summer. Maybe they're frustrated mailmen or something. I was in line behind Shyrock at Patel's. I suggested he get the corned beef, and he did. Was Rita with him? No. Was Wittry here? I ran into him on the stairs. Shard explained his visit. So Rita slashed the tires. She told us she was in bed with Shyrock. I wonder if her pool buddy was with her on the, her errand. You assume that Charbonneau fed us good information. I can think of bunches of reasons why I'd want us thrown off scent. He could be mixed up in the politics behind the mill sale. He does have a couple of marginally useful thugs. I'm struck by the fact that he seems to be get bent on getting Rita out of town. I'd hate to have Rita after me, Johnson said, as he glanced at the wastebasket with dismay. They brought him up to speed on their discussion. If his boys won't testify, Johnson said, their evidence is tainted from the start. True, but if they saw what they said they did, it put some things in perspective. Such as, Periwinkle asked. For one thing, it cuts out one possible pair of females, Gloria and Deborah. They never made a lot of sense anyway. That leaves Rita and Deborah, or Rita and Gloria, combos. It might explain why Deborah had a fishy alibi concocted for us. Because she knew Rita did it and wants to protect herself, Periwinkle asked. Maybe that's why Rita cut only one tire on Deborah's car. If they're a pair, why would they kill Harkness, Johnson asked. I still don't think Deborah's involved, but if she were, why would she want to kill a golden goose? To get more eggs? That's a possibility. Maybe to make millions somehow out of the mill sale, Shard said. But that leaves her alone in the world with only money. She doesn't strike me as a woman who can live without a man, Johnson said. If you're right, Norseman, that leaves only the Rita Gloria team. Did they kill Harkness to get him out of the way? But why? Collins and Felden told me that he wanted to sell a plant. Gloria would have gotten the money either way. Maybe she despised him, killed him so she could get all his money, Periwinkle said. Yeah, but did she know what was in his will, Shard asked. Thursday noon. This reminds me of a saga, Johnson said. It's an obscure one, but it might shed some light on our suppositions. Oh, God, Periwinkle said, not quite under her breath. No, let him go, Shard, I said. Sometimes he makes sense. It's a story in the tale of Ogmund Bash. It tells of Good Fry, who lived with his wife in Sweden, where the Swedes worshipped him as if he were human, and often brought him women for his amusement because he was the god of fertility and sex. Anyway, a Norwegian on the run named Gunnar Half and Half... Where in God's names do you get all those names, Periwinkle asked. As I said, Gunnar fled to Sweden, where he came to Fry's house. Fry didn't much like him, but his wife did, and connived to have Fry take him with him on a journey to a feast to guarantee good crops. A blizzard blew up, and Fry, his wife, and Gunnar were left alone with the cart and horse. Gunnar became exhausted leading the horse, and Fry got angry. He got off the cart and began to wrestle with Gunnar. Gunner, a former Christian, killed him. Gunner then gave, gave Fry two choices. 
Either he would abandon her there to die in the blizzard, or he'd help her provided she told everybody he was Fry. She agreed to the latter. Gunner dressed in Fry's clothes, and people believed he was the god. Later, however, Swedes began to suspect that he was a fraud. He and Fry's wife fled to Norway and became Christians. Periwinkle and Shard stared at Johnson. You see how the story fits, Johnson asked? It's one of two things, Shard said. Either it's too complex for a cop's weak mind, or it's so damn simple that I miss the point. Explain it slowly for those of us descended from higher civilizations. Periwinkle grinned. Okay, boss. Under duress, the wife took up with her husband's murderer, even though he was a stranger. She compounded that sin with her flight to Norway in baptism. Remember, she had been a pagan god's wife. Yeah, but he had replaced the god of sex. It must have been a pretty humdrum to bed with a mere mortal, Periwinkle said. That has nothing to do with it. Okay, Nor Norseman, let's get the gist of this. Who's Fry? Who's the wife? Who's Gunner half-and-half, half, Shard asked. It's not that simple, boss. It never is with your tales. Just give us the general idea. Okay, it's something like this. Harkness was the god of Leiden. Somebody killed him. Gunner half-and-half? Half? Somebody like him? An out-of-town stranger? Someone Harkness knew but didn't like very much? Someone his wife liked? Then his wife or mistress took up with the killer. Shryock? Or let's ignore gender. The Vikings sometimes did. Maybe the stranger was a female who took up with the light with Leiden's god, but fooled his wife and mistress. Or maybe Harkness's killer didn't want his wife or mistress just his possessions. The important point is that the family knew the killer. He might have been a stranger in a sense, but he was known in the house of Fry. Make sense now? Shard opened the third drawer of his filing cabinet and took a camel out of a folder marked N, which he threw on the pile on top. If I get this right, you're intimating that Rita was a stranger who killed Harkness because that feeble-minded family scion Harold knew her in a biblical sense. Am I right? That's one interpretation, boss. Or Skyok could be half and half, and the saga says that he had a hold on Gloria. Does she even know the guy? It's Shryock, boss, and we don't know. But he works for General Paper, so it's just possible, Periwinkle said. Or Deborah could be the outsider. She's genetically and legally outside the Harkness clan. She does him in, and then takes who for her husband and lover? Harold? Good grief. How about Shryock, boss? He knocks off Harkness and claims the mistress, Periwinkle said. That seems the hard way to get a mistress, Johnson said. Bars are full of potential mistresses. She's not ravishing, you know. What she have that women I meet in the bars don't? Money, Shard and Periwinkle said in unison. Ah, yes. But the modern gunner would have to work to get it. So did gunner half and half, Shard said. Shard sat for a long time staring at the top of Periwinkle's head without noticing her shimmering hair. They thought that he'd retreated into his private preserve, but he, ha he hadn't. I'm hip deep in mating the Freydis and Gunnar sagas, Norseman, and on first blush it appears a more complex undertaking than Einstein's unification theory. However, 
While I was wandering in the Swedish bogs, I did recall something you picked up early in the case I didn't follow up on. And what was that, boss? Someone told you. I think it's the guy who parked cars at the Christmas Eve party. That Gloria forced Harkness to let her into his SUV. You said he took off with her, driving very fast. Later, the radiologist who lives near Gloria in the condos said he didn't take her home and he doesn't know who did. Then one of you, or maybe both, told me that Harold didn't know what time his mother came home. I can't believe I didn't pursue that angle earlier. I must be well into my dotage. Never, boss, Periwinkle said. Johnson wondered whether he ought to agree with her. Let's assume that Gloria was the last to see her husband, and let's assume that she killed him. How does she fit in the Gunner Fry saga? She doesn't, boss, unless she inveigled some guy to kill him for her with promises only she could make to the man. Get me? Even I'm not that dense, Norseman. First thing after lunch, we talk to Gloria. The Kaiser's going to kill us when we hit her with Fry and half and half, but I'll send Johnson in to give him the news. What day is today? Thursday? Mrs. O has her famous Franks and Beans on special. I'm out of here. Thursday afternoon. Gloria again. Gloria was not pleased to discover three cops at her door. Oh, it's you, she said. We'd like to talk to you if you have time, Shard said. She led them to the back of the house where Shard noticed that she had had the windows replaced. Even on such a gray day, the room was light and airy. She looked at Shard. Why didn't you visit me in the hospital after I was shot? I think I deserve that at least. After a periwinkle told me that you weren't shot, I didn't want to bother you. Well, you should have. I had a lot to tell you. Now, after my tires are cut up and poor Harold's car is sitting on the ground too, you come by. You pay more attention to things than you do people. I told Sheriff Stutzenberger this yesterday. At least he got you out of your comfy chairs to come talk to me. If you saw our chairs, ma'am, you'd know why we don't spend much time in them, Johnson said. Gloria looked puzzled. We didn't come to talk about your tires, but since you brought them up, do you have any idea who slashed them? Shard asked. No. You get paid to find that out. I don't know any people who'd do something like that. Nobody at the club would think about such a thing. I bet it was Union goons. Talk to that thug Dank. He'll probably know. We will, Mrs. Harkness. We'll find the culprit. Don't worry. Well, your record so far is less than exemplary. Shard ignored the comment. We're here, Mrs. Harkness, about your husband's murder. You told me that Dr. Ashby and his wife brought you home after the Christmas Eve party, and that you didn't know when your husband left. Is that right? Shard saw a moment's hesitation in her eyes. Yes. But Dr. Ashby told us he didn't bring you home, and he didn't know who did. One of the club's valets said that you ran to Mr. Harkness's SUV and pounded on his door as he was about to drive off. He said you got in, and the two of you left together. Why did you lie? She sat silent for a long moment. All right, I didn't tell you the exact truth. Why not? Shard asked. It made it look like I was the last person to see Steve alive, or that I killed him. And you know that I didn't. I couldn't. What did I have to gain by it? Ask yourself that. You can be sure that I have, Shard said. And I don't know that you didn't do it. But tell me why you were so anxious to get in his SUV that he nearly ran over you. I needed to talk to him alone. 
About what? I wanted us to get back together, Lieutenant. There was no need for a divorce if he'd dumped this little slut. I told him that if he did, I'd forgive him. What did he say? He said that he'd think about it. I gave him 24 hours to tell her that he was finished with her. And if he didn't, then I would file for divorce and take every cent he had. He's the one who committed adultery. I didn't. Worse, everybody knew about her house and car and things that by rights should have been Harold's and mine. What did he say to that? We discussed it, and finally he promised he'd tell little Mrs. Newbill that their affair was over. I also made him promise that he wouldn't support her any longer, and he wouldn't pay her off to go away. He agreed. I had to persuade him, and I demanded that he tell her that night. Where were you when you discussed this? We just drove around. I don't know where we went. Then what happened? He promised to go see her after he dropped me off. I told him I couldn't trust him. He called her on his cell phone from the SUV and asked if he could come by. He said, I'll see you, and clicked off his phone. Afterwards, I felt better, and he took me home. Was Harold up when you came in? I didn't see him. Did you see Mr. Harkness again? No. Did he call you? No. Did Miss Newbill call you? You gotta be kidding, Lieutenant. I'd have torn her ears off if she had. That he believed. So you don't know where he went after he dropped you off? No. Why can't you believe me? Well, truthfully, Mrs. Harkness, you haven't been all that reliable so far. What time did you get home? How would I know? I don't care about the time. It wasn't long after we left the party, an hour maybe. So you got back about one o'clock. That sounds about right. What difference does it make? Oh, it makes a great deal, Mrs. Harkness. A great deal. Is there anything else you have to tell us? You know too much already. Thursday afternoon. Thinking. What a miserable woman, Johnson said when they were back in the car. I think Harkness is better off dead. I doubt he'd agree, Periwinkle said. He must have loved something about her. He stayed with her a long time and indulged her whims. Do you guys believe her new story? And if you do, what does it mean? They looked out at the clouds, the color of a funeral suit, shrouded in their own thoughts. Shard always asked for their opinions, and they were never ready with nifty answers. I think this version is the truth, Periwinkle said. It makes sense. But she didn't tell us everything they said to each other, and I'll bet it must have been a real row. I'd love to have been a mouse under that seat. Do you think Harkness did promise to see Deborah right away? That's the crucial point, boss, Johnson said. If he did, she's the last one we know who saw him. If he didn't, Gloria may have been the last. But keep in mind, Periwinkle said, Gloria was dressed for the party. Why would she have an ice pick? And where would she put it if she did have it? In her purse? Party purses are the size of a hummingbird's nest. Too small, unless someone makes a folding ice pick. A switch pick? Could have been one in the car, Shard said. It just doesn't seem right to me, Johnson said. She pulls the ice pick out of the hummingbird's nest, stabs her husband, drives to Foster's, skis home in a cocktail dress. I've never worn one, but I don't believe that scenario. Well, I have, and I agree with you, Norseman. Shard and Johnson both pictured Periwinkle in a cocktail dress. Johnson's image was cut lower than Shard's. Why do you think the time Gloria got home is so important, Periwinkle asked? Because it would have taken 
the killer a long time to kill Harkness and ski back to town. If she was home at one, there's no way she could have killed him. But suppose Harkness brought her home sometime before two. The two of them are yelling at one another and wake Harold up. He comes out to see what's going on. He or Gloria stabs Harkness. We know Gloria has been at the Fosters, and that both she and Harold are good skiers. They load up a pair of skis and take two cars. Gloria drives the other one. Harold parks Harkness in the garage, and Gloria waits some distance away. Harold, since he's not wearing a cocktail dress, closes the garage and skis to Gloria's car. They come home and concoct their alibis. Harold's in bed and didn't hear his mother come in. At first she lies, then she tells us she's home by about one. That's good, boss. Now all we have to do is prove it, Johnson said. There's the rub, Shard said, wondering if everything Shakespeare wrote has become a cliché. What evidence do we have to prove this conjecture? Periwinkle asked. None, other than she lied to cover up something, Shard said, but my instinct tells me that they didn't do it. After that tantalizing scenario, Periwinkle asked, that's not fair, I like the story. I do too, Shard, but it omits too much of what we know. For example, where do Rita and Skyblock fit in? I'm sure they're involved somehow. And why the shootings and tire slashings? Unless we have three separate crimes here. You said that you think there were two. Now you think there are three. Oh, we have three crimes, no doubt. And I think they are connected. But I can't figure out who the perpetrators are and in what order they perpetrated. Is that a verbal pun, boss? Periwinkle asked. Hell if I know, but I liked it, Shard said. 